Faith, isn't this how it always happens? You're space trucking a couple tons of mineral ore from one end of the galaxy back to Earth when you get a directive from the mining company to investigate a strange signal which leads to you having a no-good murder and some bitch of an alien on your ship that needs to be dealt with? You just described my morning. Welcome to the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan, the captain of this doomed expedition, and with me, as always, is my first mate, Faith. Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. Uh, But I'd rather be the third mate, because the third mate is the only one who lives through tonight's movie. That would be my third mate, Faith. (laughs) Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. Welcome one and all to our little program, and we would especially like to welcome any spooks, specters, astral travelers, or interdimensional beings who may be tuning in or joining us here in the studio. Welcome one and all. But we do not, however, welcome any murdering sumbitchin' aliens. No, we do not. The Witty Banner may have something to do with tonight's movie, right, Faith? What is on the slab for a post-mortem this evening? From director Ridley Scott, writers Dan O'Bannon and Ronald Shusset, and producers Gordon Carroll, David Glyer, and Walter Hill, we have 1979's Alien, the film that made Sigourney Weaver a star, introduced moviegoers to H.R. Geiger's nightmarish alien, the Xenomorph, and teased audiences into the theater with a tagline, In space, no one can hear you scream. Ooh, it makes you wonder. Wonder what? If anyone can hear you fart in space. The question is not answered in this film, but there's like eight of these things, so just don't give up hope. This 1979 film began life on the set of John Carpenter's 1974 film Dark Star, a film that features a beach ball painted up like an alien. (laughs) Dan O'Bannon, who worked as a special effects man and actor on the film, wanted to do a film with a more convincing alien, something really real looking and really scary. Something like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in space. Over the next few years, O'Bannon, along with story contributor Ronald Shusset, concocted the tale of the space truck Nostromo, being sent to investigate a beacon of unknown origin. What happens then? Well, we don't want to spoil it. Well, they encounter these facehugger aliens that implant the big alien into the human host's body, and it gets real, really quick. Way to ruin the movie, Faith. It's 42 years old. So am I. Your point is well made. Director Ridley Scott spins the tale with a lot of silence and lingering. The first 45 minutes feels like nothing is happening, yet the tension is high. Scott turns a simple locked room massacre into something much more, and the film incorporates themes of life, death, birth, sexual assault, corporatism, and intelligence into its DNA. The cast is excellent. In addition to Sigourney Weaver in her career-defining role as Ripley, we are treated to Tom Skerritt as Captain Dallas, John Hurt as Kane, Veronica Cartwright as Lambert, Ian Holm as Ash, Harry Dean Stanton as Brett, Yafit Koto as Parker, and Balahi Badejo as the alien. Weaver, unknown at the time, won the role of Ripley over Meryl Streep. Thank God, yeah, I said it. And at one time, Harrison Ford was approached for the role of Dallas. Might have been interesting. Also interesting, all of the roles were written unisex so that anyone could play them. Indeed. Featuring a score by Jerry Goldsmith, Alien opened on May 25th, 1979, two years to the day after Star Wars, one of the chief influences on this film's look premiered. 
It was a hit with critics and audiences alike, has spawned, see what I did there, a multimedia franchise, and in 2002 was selected by the Library of Congress for preservation in the United States Film Registry for its cultural, historical, and aesthetic significance. Tonight, we will be scoring this momentous flick in the following categories. Overall film, Space Truckers, in which we will take a look at the entire cast of characters, Creature Feature, in which we will spotlight the legendary H.R. Geiger design of the Xenomorph, and finally Ripley, Believe It or Not, in which we will score the performance of the one and only Sigourney Weaver as third mate Ripley. In lieu of stars, Alien will be awarded Chess Bursters. We are going to take a short pause for our coffee calls, but stay tuned as we venture into the cold black void and talk about murdering some bitch and aliens. I am Dan, and I am Faith. We'll see you on the other side. It's twelve oh one, the witching hour. You are listening to WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. You are cleared for departure. Your destination, the Late Night Fright. Commencing transmission in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. I am Faith. You know, before the Terminator and before the Predator, we had the Xenomorph. That's the creature featured in tonight's film, Ridley Scott's classic 1979 sci-fi horror film, Alien. As we said, we're judging tonight in four categories. Overall film, space truckers, creature feature, and Ripley believe it or not. This is indeed the film that made Sigourney Weaver a star. I think the world's a better place having Sigourney Weaver in it as a big movie star. This is considered to be not only one of the greatest sci-fi films ever made, not only one of the greatest horror films ever made, not only one of the greatest sci-fi horror films ever made, but also one of the greatest films ever made. So... High praise, right? High praise. Faith has an interesting take on this movie. <laughs> so uh, let's start with our first category, overall film. Who would you like to go first? I'll go first. You go first. How many face huggers did you give 1979's Alien? I go 3.5 on Alien. 3.5. Yeah. Very good. I went four. So apparently there's some room <laughs> for discussion. Um, <laughs> why did you go 3.5? So let me, let, let me let me start here. There is so much uh, about the movie that's so great. There's so much good horror. There's so much good sci-fi. There's so much good suspense. There are great scenes. There are good special effects. Somehow, I feel bored watching this movie. Really? Okay. And I don't know why. You don't know why? A part of me like keeps checking to see how long the like we have left of this movie. That's interesting. I don't know if it's the silence of not a lot going on. Maybe I just need more action. I need to see more things. And personally, those are the exact reasons why I gave it four. Because (laughs) all of that, like, because one of the things that always impresses me about this movie is the first couple of minutes where it's completely silent and you're doing the tracking shots through the ship, which 
is interesting because it serves two purposes. One, you're seeing what she's going to be running through later. So you're right. getting the layout of the ship, which is so the care and the ship is a character in this film, which right. is interesting. And also, though, that real just that quiet. And I've said this about this movie for years and you say you don't know why uh, it, it why you're going. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And. I'm on the other end. I don't know why for the first 45 minutes when it feels like nothing's happening, I am completely on the edge of my seat going, what the hell? Like, it feels like a bad fever dream. The whole movie feels like a bad fever dream to me. It does. It's not that I don't enjoy that that moment of what's happened in the first 45 minutes. And it's not even that I think it's not suspenseful. I'm not. I'm personally confused why I'm not fully. I feel disconnected from yeah. the movie. Like a really, I don't, I don't feel suspense from it for some weird that's reason. That's interesting. That's that's I'm really interesting. I'm just kind of there with it, and it re- it really does confuse me. I even looked at reviews, and like, I'm like, man, I'm like the only person that just cannot get into. But this I'm movie. A, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to give you uh, a lot of credit for acknowledging that you see it not only differently, and then I have problems. Well, you do have problems, but that's for <laughs> another show. No, but for acknowledging that you see it differently, but also for acknowledging the fact that you appreciate. How how amazing there is, is that? So much but that is not working for you. I, Again, I feel that way about certain bands. Rush being one of those bands. I know how great, but you the just music, can't get on board. It, I can't get on board with it. And there are times, and I know this is going to feel like sacrilege, staying on the music kick. There are times when I don't want to listen to Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band the entire album because no. it just doesn't click for me. Mm-hmm. So I, I do appreciate where you're coming from with it, but you also appreciate the fact that this is one of the greatest films ever made. There is so much made. greatness in this movie. I mean, so much greatness in it. And that's why, again, that's why I'm confused yeah. by why I'm so... Dis- disconnected is the word for me because I just feel like I never fully connect with any yeah. of these characters okay. for some reason. And, but and that's, the movie and that's really interesting, is too, great. because of how it's set up that you're not connecting with the characters. So let's talk about what you do like in the movie. Let's talk about what is it in this movie that you like. And let's let's look at it from the science fiction standpoint first. Uh, what do you like about this as a sci-fi? I movie? mean, I love the look of it. I love all of the special effects. I love the way the creature looks. I love the ship. I mean, there's just there's there really is a lot going for it, sci-fi wise. What about the horror side of it? What do you like it's about it? It's terrifying. It is I terrifying. Mean, it really yeah. is. You have this thing. We're going to talk a little bit more about the themes. No of it. idea yeah. what it is, and here it is. Yeah. attached to somebody. By the way, the Xenomorph uh, really wins an award here on the show because uh, if you've listened to this show for any length of time, uh, you know that I am a huge Fred head. I'm a dyed-in-the-wool Freddy Krueger fan, and one of the things I so love about the way that Wes Craven uses him in 1984's film is he's in the film 12 minutes. Mm-hmm. 12 minutes. Also, Darth Vader in 1977's Star Wars, a huge influence on Alien, is in the film for a total of 12 minutes. The Xenomorph is in this movie for a grand total of four minutes. Oh, wow. Four (laughs) minutes of screen time. You only see this murdering some bitch and alien for four minutes on screen. With that said, not only do you only see it for four minutes on screen, a lot of the violence is not explicit violence. Mm-hmm. You're seeing images and quick cuts, and mm-hmm. um, you're, you're never really seeing it. Now, also, let me add here. I should have added this at the beginning. We're watching the theatrical cut, so that's mm-hmm. what we're talking about. We're not talking about the director's cut. but um, So you're seeing it. Now, it is, is violent, you know, but you're not actually seeing explicit exploitive, right. gruesome 
gore and violence on the screen, it's Hitchcock. It's all in your imagination. Exactly. There is one scene that is extremely gruesome and violent. That's when it bursts out of John Hurt's <laughs> chest. And that's one of the most famous scenes in movie history. And even that is sort of kind of restrained in mm-hmm. in what it does, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sort of, kind and see, of. All of that stuff works so well for me. I mean, creatures bursting out of people's chest and... It's just it's it really is all so good. And, and, and this maybe belongs more in the next category. We'll talk about it here because it is maybe the most famous scene in this movie. What works for me in that scene is not the thing coming out of him. It's John Hurt up to the point when he's choking and mm-hmm. and seizuring, and that just sells the whole thing for me. And that to yep. me is just as terrifying as <laughs> and, and their reactions. Uh, we're going to talk about their reactions because that's one of the famous things here. People. Uh, like to say that they didn't know what was getting ready to happen. You know, they had rigged this thing and mm-hmm. they didn't know what was going to happen. No, they knew what was going to happen. What they didn't know <laughs> is that the blood was going to shoot out like it did. They didn't tell them that. So Veronica Cartwright, when she goes, oh, God, like that, that's completely real. Her scream and my God, how real does that moment feel? It feels re- it feels very real. It feels very real. <laughs> I love everything about this movie. I think this movie is the total antithesis to everything that is wrong, or it's the antidote to everything that's wrong in modern movies. Modern movies, to me, are so loud and loud and louder, and this uh, is so eloquently silent. And I love that about it. Again, the I don't know. I don't think the silence is the thing that bothers me. I'm still trying to really pinpoint what it is. it confuses me. It really blows my mind. It's interesting, yeah. <laughs> and, and and like I said, you know, it'd be real easy to doing a horror movie review show and to fake that, mm-hmm. you know, and they go, yeah, oh, yeah, I could it's be great. Like, yeah, this is wonderful. Oh, it's, it's wonderful. Yeah, and, and you again, are saying it's it wonderful. It is a wonderful but, yeah. movie. But I'm I love not, I love that you're not like completely on board with it. I think it's interesting. Connecting with it the way everybody else yeah. is, and I don't know what that is. There is a sterile quality to this movie. There is there is a a, a thing where you're kind of a, a a step back from it, which again I find very interesting. Um, and I. I liked how you pointed out with like the band, like Rush in, in albums and stuff. I'm very, very particular about albums. I have to like albums from start uh-huh. to finish. I have to. I can't just like one song. Yeah. So that's kind of, I feel like with this movie, I feel like there are good bits to it, but it doesn't complete. I don't know. It doesn't feel like I'm just not pulled in emotionally. That's interesting. Yeah. You know? One of the things I do like about this movie, and I think you might be something you really like about the movie. Uh, correct me here if I'm wrong is the simplicity of this movie because at its heart, this is a locked room mm-hmm. like Agatha Christie, like 10, 10 little Indians, mm-hmm. something like that. Uh, murder on the Orient Express at its heart. That is what this movie is. You are locked in one location. And, uh, instead of trying to find, uh, you know, suss out the murder. You're right. trying to find the well. You are trying to find a murderer here, but but you know, it's a different take on the locked room. And I think it's so eloquently simple mm-hmm. in this construction because you can take away all the thematic stuff. We're gonna we're gonna hit on a little bit here. It's a creature feature. It's a it's a murder and some bitch and alien. Yeah, you know, it is. that's 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 killing these people. Yeah, no, the simplicity doesn't bother me. I think them being kind of contained in this one thing and you really have nowhere else to go adds to the horror of it. You know, I mean, yeah. Where else are you going to go? Really, exactly. I mean, exactly. Yeah, I, I just think this does so many things so well. One of the things that I think this movie did very well was the casting of this movie, and you have seven, <laughs> seven characters in this movie. So seven of these people, and let's not beat around the bush here. These are space truckers. These yep. are 
these are space truckers. They cast people who are not, uh, let's say, matinee, idle, beautiful, or handsome. These feel like everyday people you would encounter in your everyday life. I think that, to me, is what adds to this intrigue because I read this, too. I never noticed this watching the film until I read this. Uh, I think it was Roger Ebert, the late great critic Roger Ebert, said that this movie cast older people. It didn't cast younger people. And because they're older people, they have a lot more life experience mm-hmm. coming behind. I think Sigourney Weaver at 28, I think, is the youngest cast member here. Veronica Cartwright's right there with her. So the, the two females are, are younger. But everybody's in their mid, late 30s, 40s. Somebody, I think, uh, Skerritt may have been pushing 50, possibly. He was older. But um, so they have this life experience. And thing that hit me watching the movie, I didn't think about that when I was watching it. What I did think about watching it was, oh my God, I know these people. <laughs> and I could see myself in one in particular, the, the one set of characters in particular. But it uh but they're like everyday folk. These are not people that uh you know are scientists or archaeologists or right. Jedi knights or <laughs> starship captains or something unattainable. These are people who've been doing a job mm-hmm. and are going home from the job it what's great about this setup is it doesn't matter that it's in space this could be anywhere and that's right. i think one of the beauties of the movie uh and the simplicity of it mm-hmm. you know and one of the great things is we've said on this show about science fiction science fiction <laughs> is so malleable you can do anything with it put it anywhere and it, and yep. it works uh but the cast here i think is so special mm-hmm. and and the roles the way they're written and the way they're played and the people that they have populating these roles i went uh four face huggers on our uh, space truckers how did, I, I how did, did you too. okay what did you like about the cast you you basically said it for me they they felt real and you just and i don't want to say uh that they're all likable no but you don't like everybody but relatable <laughs> relatable right they just had a real quality to them and i feel like like you said you know these people I liked their relationship with each other and kind of how... I like how they had little clicks of them, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just... I don't know. I feel like they were they were a really good group of people. I think they casted it very well. One of the things that we need to point out about this movie that I think is another really interesting thing here is this is an ensemble piece. Uh, a lot of people have said that John Carpenter's 1982, The Thing, steals a lot from Alien. Yeah, it does. Uh, it's its own thing, though. I'm not being funny there. It, it is its own thing. But... um. <laughs> Kurt Russell, though, in that film is clearly meant to be your lead. What mm-hmm. I like about this is there's no lead. True. There's no lead. There's no hero. Yeah. There's no clear-cut hero. Mm-hmm. She uh, becomes the star of the film afterwards because right. she survives. Right. And then the franchise then becomes Sigourney Weaver's and the world is a better place for having Sigourney Weaver yeah, you don't as feel a major like, movie You don't feel star. like you're following one specific person because right. you have to. Right. They all get their own bit and piece and they right. have their purpose. And uh, I, I love absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's talk about them. Let's go through them. Let's go. Let's, I was going to ask who's your favorite. Let's just go through the whole thing. You have Tom Skerritt. Tom Skerritt, uh, probably most famous for being in the movie Top Gun from 1986. He was also in the original film version of MASH. He's also been in a lot of stuff. He's a very familiar face. Harrison Ford turned down this role. Would have been a different movie with him in it. Way uh, different. I don't know if he turned down Dallas. I, I know he turned down Dallas. He may have also turned down Ripley because, as we said, Ripley, mm-hmm. you know, uh, they're, they're all written unisex. Right. So, which I think is brilliant and fascinating. I love here. that. 
Yeah, because there's no weird romantic tension or anything right. like that. Um, Tom Skerritt plays Dallas. What'd you think of Dallas? Loved Dallas. Loved him. Yeah, <laughs> he. I liked his attitude, especially in the scene where Parker and Brett, who are my two favorites of this crew, and I see myself most in Brett. I think is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's. I don't know what that says about me. But uh, when they're complaining about the shares, and it's funny. It's a funny, but it's a real conversation mm-hmm. that they're having. And he says, well, you get what you're contracted for. Like, everybody. There's a real, he's a leader, but yeah. he's also one of them. Right. You know, and I right. feel like he really nails, nails that. Yeah, I uh, agree. John Hurt as Kane, uh, who brings the alien on board. John Hurt replaced the original choice, Peter Finch. Peter Finch got very ill and was not able to do this film, and John Hurt then was brought on. John Hurt uh, passed away a few years ago. John Hurt was in a bunch of movies, most famously The Elephant Man. He was also in Indiana Jones and The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. He he did great work, and he was awesome. John Hurt was the man. He really was. Um, He parodied this role in Mel Brooks's 1987 film Spaceballs. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in which the alien pops out of his chest and then proceeds to sing, hello, my honey, hello, my baby. Yeah, yeah. it was him. It was him that did it. And he said, oh, no, not again. Um, what do you think of John Hurt in this film? I, I really like uh, Kane. And I think I his too. performance, because he does leave a little about halfway through. Yeah, but as I said, that scene, that scene where he's, cho- I think, is just wonderful acting and really sells the terror of this. See, I feel like it'd be more like him, kind of venturing off and seeing what all the what was going on like oh what is this let me when he's in the egg chamber yeah i feel like that made me like what what do we got going on over here there you go but no i really i really did enjoy him we didn't get him the whole time but hey he was worth it though wasn't (laughs) he he? was worth he was worth it uh one of my other favorite performances in this movie is veronica cartwright as lambert uh veronica cartwright was originally cast as ripley and then she was told right before shooting started that she would be playing uh (laughs) Lambert. So there you go. What could have been, right? Right. I think it would have been a different movie if she had played Ripley. Veronica Cartwright's performance is my favorite, maybe, of the crew because I feel like she's the most real Mm -hmm. because she's the one who's crying uh, bullshit on the whole plan. We're going to go out and and investigate why. (laughs) We're going to go down and uh, look at the uh, face. Why? You know, uh, and she shows genuine terror Mm -hmm. and fear. And you can't falter for that because this is absolutely terrifying what's happening to these people. I know. No, I, I enjoyed her. I, everything you just said, I think she, she felt the most real. And I don't feel them. that she's the damsel. I just feel no. like she's somebody who is in way over her head through no doing of her own. Mm-hmm. And that's how she's reacting. She's not built yep. for this situation because who's, who is right? <laughs> built for this situation? But she also is brave, too. She does exhibit qualities of heroism but it's just when you're confronted with this and i think she meets the most awful end too because you Mm -hmm. don't really know what happens to her but you kind of have an idea of what happens to her and that's going to tie into the theme that we're going to get into here um in a minute uh let's move on we have the uh kind of villainous character ash played by ian holm ian holm most famous for playing bilbo baggins in the lord of the rings uh, trilogy as well as a uh, bunch of other stuff he was in the fifth element with bruce willis he's done i think he passed away i think he did uh but he was a wonderful wonderful actor uh a lot of shakespearean work he did um what do you think of the character of ash specifically uh did you remember he was an android 
when you no, were No, I actually it. forgot. Okay. What did you think of that reveal? By the way, another great piece of acting when he's having his spasm and mm-hmm. That's terrifying. No, no, I, I completely forgot. I've only seen this maybe once or twice, I think. And then it hit me again. I was like, oh, yeah, he, he's an android and wow. Like, what, I, what I really liked about him was, because uh, I remember he was an android, mm-hmm. but watching the movie and the little moments that you're not noticing, because unless you know, on a repeat viewing, mm-hmm. like when John Hurt is you know, uh, uh, wigging out at the table and the thing comes out of him. Yafet Koto has a bead on it. Yafet Koto is about, Parker's about to stab the thing and he stops it. Mm-hmm. And he's undermining mm-hmm. them at every turn. I forgot about that, but I noticed those little things he was doing and I, yeah. just, I knew something was off about him, but I was like, what was it? There and, we go. <laughs> and the, the Ripley Ash uh, kind of, uh, 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 what's the word, conflict mm-hmm. is established very early in the movie oh, yeah. and he overrides her orders. Mm-hmm. And of course, everything he's doing is 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 under orders of the company. Yep. We're going to talk about the company in a minute. I want to make sure that we talk about because there's really two villains in this movie. Mm-hmm. There's two villains. Yeah. Uh, one is more terrifying than the other, and it's not the one that's stalking the crew on the ship. So I want to make sure we get to that. Uh, we're going to do these guys as a as a as a team because I do feel like they kind of are a team. Parker and Brett, played by the great Yafet Koto, one of my favorites. Yafet Koto. Uh, is most famous for playing Mr. Big in Live and Let Die. He's been in a whole bunch of stuff. I love him. I love this guy. This is one of my favorite actors of all time. There's just something about mm-hmm. Yafet <laughs> Koto. And Parker is an amazing character, but his buddy Brett, played by the one and only Harry Dean Stanton. <laughs> Harry Dean was in, what, Christine that we did, mm-hmm. right? I feel like he was in something else, but he was definitely, in, like he was. definitely in Christine. And he didn't want to do the movie, but then he learned like what they were doing is more of an Agatha Christie type thing. And he signed on and they, to me, feel the most blue collar out of the entire bunch oh, because yeah. they're not even really part of the crew. They're the engineers. <laughs> so, you know, they're not even getting full shares, which is part right. of their dilemma. What do you think of these two? Because they add uh, a little bit of humor, I think, mm-hmm. to it with uh, a lot of commentary, social commentary, though, also. Mm-hmm. The way that the corporation treats the working man. Yeah. No, I, I loved them. I feel like, again, they're very real. And I feel like they added that humor that was needed in this, you know. Very much it so. It was much, yeah, very needed. Very much so. Uh, you just hit the nail on the head. These people do feel real, don't they? Mm-hmm. All of them feel real. They eat together. They're, yeah, they, you know. they bring a little lightness to, you know. To yeah. this dark situation that's going on. I very, like. <laughs> very, very much so. There is some darkness in this situation. Uh, I, I realize that we forgot one of the, we didn't forget her. We're not talking about <laughs> one member of the crew <laughs> quite yet, are we? We're, we're going to save her for, for last. last. Yeah. Before we get into the next category, let's talk about some of the themes. I've been, I've been hitting at the themes and I mentioned the themes in the beginning. Life, death, birth, rebirth, uh, sexual assault <laughs> is one here. Corporatism, greed, things of that nature. Uh, how do you feel about these themes? Because we're presented with them very early with them coming out these pods as birth. One of the things, and this does tie in with the next category, the, uh, the creature feature, the xenomorph. Uh, they had a problem early on in the screenwriting. Dan O'Bannon couldn't figure out how to get the creature onto the ship. And it was Shusset who came up with, well, one of the alien bangs, one of them impregnates it, you know, 
And uh, what I like about this movie is the gender reversal. Mm-hmm. Usually it's the female mm-hmm. who has, uh, for lack of a better word, it's violated. And John Hurt's Kane is violated here. And I'm wondering, too, if the name Cain is maybe a play on the biblical name mm-hmm. Cain, because you have the son of Cain. Cain was, of course, the, did Cain do the murdering? Cain I murdered, I think Cain murdered Abel. Um, that's that's right, yeah. And so you have the son of Cain here. So there is a biblical thing mm-hmm. happening, happening here. But, um, yeah, he's the one that's violated. Yep. You know, and you have the gender role switched. But uh, so there's sexual assault. There's also kind of a sexual assault later in the movie with Lambert, as we talked about. That to me is the most unnerving one. So there is a sexual component to what is going on with this creature. Oh, kind yeah. of all setting it up. <laughs> and it even has, a, I guess now we're into it, the, the creature feature, the classic H.R. Geiger design. Um, there's a phallic thing to it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's <laughs> dripping in KY jelly, you know, and it's got uh, uh, it's got that little mouth with the little steel teeth too. kind of the, the mouth has a head in it, too, mm-hmm. which is phallus, you know? And, know, and and there's a sleek, for lack of a better word, sexiness to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's got that kind of that aerodynamic <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> look, that black, shiny look to it and uh, no eyes, you know, uh, it's. It's a, how do I put this? You can't take your eyes off of it. True. But there you, you want to look away from it. But you can't stop looking. You can't at stop it. looking at it. Yeah. Uh, and H.R. Geiger, of course, if, you, if you've never seen his art, you really need to check it out. And O'Bannon was influenced by his art for this. And then they got him to do the design. What did, what did, <laughs> I, I don't know that the xenomorph needs much introduction. What did you think? I How'd don't you, think so. I scored it four face huggers. Uh, how'd you score the xenomorph? I went 3.5 for one reason. What's that? I wanted to see more of it. <laughs> I really did. That's really the only thing. And I know you yeah. really don't need it, but I really, it, you want to see it more because it's like, oh God. And one of the things I love about this movie is how you do see it, how mm-hmm. Ridley Scott introduced it. And you really don't see it full on, you know, full tilt boogie until the end. Right. And you get it in close, extreme close ups, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, it's terrifying. It is. It's terrifying. Like, you know, only took half focus. It just wanted more. It's terrifying. Of the creature. It, it, it's really terrifying because it violates and invades us, mm-hmm. and then, and then God knows what it does to us afterwards. What it's doing? Because that's what's great. You don't know what it's doing. Mm-hmm. Is it exactly. is it protecting itself? Is it attacking? What is it doing? Right. You know, and it's hunting with scent. You know, yep. and and it's, uh, it is a killing machine. Everything about it is killing machine. It's got uh, acid for blood. So what well, I love that narratively because they can't just shoot it because it's right? going to like like burn through the ship. <laughs> just melt everything, yeah. right? Is it the scene with Dallas that's they're sensing it? Yes. Lambert's like, going, oh, God, sensor? it's right there. Yeah, That's such a good scene. That's a great, <laughs> such yeah. Such a good scene. And then you just, and he turns and it just reaches out. Uh, yeah. 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 Oh. It's, a, it's amazing. The design is amazing. The idea of this thing is absolutely oh, no. Out of this world. <laughs> har har. Har har. And uh, it's, it's terrified. It's terrifying. And again, you know nothing about it. No. You just know how it works. You know? Like you said, I mean, they take a part of it and it turns into acid. So it's like, what are you going to supposed to do with it? It's this big mystery. You're not even sure what else it's capable of doing. And yeah. that's terrifying. And uh, kind of kind of in with this, I like the whole thing that there's now... Ridley Scott has made the movie Prometheus and uh, Covenant, and people are kind of mixed, I think, on some of this. But um, 
I like that there's this whole other movie, this whole world in history that is hinted at. You don't get mm-hmm. in this movie. You're only getting this story right. and this thing. And so your mind is left to wonder like what. <laughs> and that to me is the fever dream part of this. There's so many questions with this, which I love about this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, it just is what it, boom. You know, you're in the ship and you got to kill this thing yeah. and, and survive, you know. Pretty much. <laughs> but uh, it's, uh, I think this is top five all-time creature designs for a film yeah it's 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 pretty good i mean this is iconic as as, <laughs> it as really all get is. out it really is it really is again that's why i just wanted to see more of it so so the creature is the villain mm-hmm. the antagonist we'll say in this film there's another villain mm-hmm. well two really there's one on board the ship ash we've <laughs> talked about him and he's working under the orders of the company and the company uh that to me is what is most vile mm-hmm. in this film is True. the corporate it's almost like the corporate uh the corporation is the government in a way and this movie is unfortunately so relevant to today and that's what was just breaking my heart watching this is that you know corporations buy and sell people and there's yep. no oversight with a corporation and these people are completely expendable and that to me is the most you know bone chilling moment of this movie is when ripley learns that they're expendable and they were sent out there on purpose you know and it's not the conspiracy theorist in me saying this. It's the guy who knows things throughout history. <laughs> this happens. <laughs> this happens. You hear story. Think about the Tuskegee Airmen. They were they were doing uh, experiments on these men. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's awful. This is not the first. You know, this is reflecting things exactly. the darker side of reality and uh that to me is like to me the most heinous thing in this entire movie it really is is the fact that they were sent out there on purpose and they're expendable and they sent an android with them to make sure that it happens and (laughs) and it's their fail safe because the android ain't going to get killed you know right by this thing so it's heinous it's i think it's awful i think think, and like i said as scary as the creature is that to me is like awful the creature is just like an added terror for them. It's like an extension of, <laughs> right? of this this corporation. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's this thing of it's, it's a conversation for another day. It's a longer conversation. But it's this thing with, you know, the haves and the have nots. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not talking about forms of government or economics. No, no, no. There is a 1% elite throughout mm-hmm. the world who like to keep their boot on the necks of Everyone else, and if you think these people are looking out for your interests, they are not. And this movie drives that home for me. Yep. They do not care about me or you or you out there listening. That's a sad fact. I know. Do your research on that. Get back to me. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, do you agree with that? Because I, I don't want to sound like uh, I'm, like, no, pissing I in the wind on that. I absolutely 100% agree with and you. It's, and, it's, and it's terrifying. Yeah, it is absolutely terrifying. They don't care. The people who run the show don't care about me or you. Nope. And that mo- this this movie, I think, and that's the beauty of sci-fi, it can drive that point home. Mm-hmm. This one drives it home like nobody's business. And <laughs> what happens? <laughs> what happens? You get screwed. <laughs> you get screwed. The same. <laughs> There you go. All right. There you go. Okay. So uh, our final category, Ripley, believe it or not. So one of the great things about this movie, this franchise, is uh, not only do we have a final girl here, we have a survivor. Mm-hmm. And she. Uh, this is her franchise. This becomes her franchise. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew who Sigourney Weaver was when this movie came out. She had been in, I think, two films, possibly, I think, 
two movies up to this point. She won this role over Meryl Streep. I said it in the intro. Thank, thank God. God. <laughs> I'm not a big Meryl Streep fan. Couldn't see her in this movie. No, not uh, at all. Sigourney Weaver is a really interesting screen presence. We've talked about Sigourney Weaver a uh, long time ago on this show in Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time since we talked about yep. her. And, and I'm glad we're getting to talk about her tonight. Mm-hmm, me too. I realized watching this movie, I went back and was doing some research on her and looking at her filmography. Not only how many movies of hers that I've seen, like the majority of her movies, but mm-hmm. like I've legitimately enjoyed most, most of, them. of them. Yeah. I think she's one of our greatest actresses. I really do. I, and she always kind of gets mentioned in the same breath as Jamie Lee Curtis because uh, they hit right at the same time, right. you know, within a year of each other. Funny enough, they're friends, and Jamie Lee Curtis has said she's never seen Alien all the way through. Why? Because it's too scary. <laughs> Serves you right, Jamie Lee. Uh, before we get into Ripley, what do you think of Sigourney Weaver? I really do enjoy her. I haven't seen too much of her work, but the things I've seen her in, too, I've been a fan of. And she's, she seems like just a really she seems really delightful chill, she? person. Yeah. Doesn't she seem chill? She's, I I think that she's extremely witty and funny, mm-hmm. and she comes from money. Mm-hmm. Her her dad was a, was a big shot uh, reporter, and she comes from money, and she's established, but she never feels that way to me. No, there. she and doesn't give that vibe off at no, all. No, not at all. And I think she has a unique look about her, mm-hmm. and I think she's so incredibly attractive and beautiful, And but there's a uniqueness to her look, and there's a sternness to her, but a softness at the same time, too. Yeah. And when she takes control of this ship, I firmly believe that she's in control of this ship. Yeah. There's, there's nothing damsel about Sigourney Weaver. Nah. But there's also, she can bust balls, but she's not a ball buster. You know what I mean? Like she's <laughs> a, right. She's a really great, like, you know... Um, Mixture, yeah, you know, yeah. There's, there's uh, everything's. I think everything's that was, working. That was what I kind of put a note on her. It's kind of like she knows what needs to be done, and I feel like she's okay doing it. Yeah, regardless of whatever happens. But it's not. I don't know. It's just she gets it done. I feel like. Yeah, she's a, she's a. I think she's a great screen presence. Mm-hmm. I really do. And uh, if you've not seen much of her work, especially like her early work, like I really recommend checking her out. And she's uh, she's wonderful. I really think that. Ripley is her signature character. This franchise really is her baby. Uh, the movies that she is in are awesome, and some of them, they they are what they are after <laughs> after she's not in them. Let's talk about Ripley in this film. What do you think about Ripley? I believe her name we learn in the second movie is Ellen Ripley. Doesn't really matter to me. She's Ripley. What she's do you think Ripley. of Ripley? I really love her here. Like I said while ago, I feel like. From the beginning on, she knew what they should have listened to her, right? <laughs> From the beginning, when yes, you know, keep them in that, keep them in there. Should have listened, but no, I feel like, like you said, she's she's kind of stern in a way, but it's not. What's the word I'm looking for? It's not hard ass. There you go. It's stern without being like a hard yeah. ass. What I like about her performance too that just hit me. It just hit you. Something you said kind of uh, clicked with me. We were talking about Veronica Lambert, and she's not built for it. And and you see her outwardly kind of breaking down as the movie goes on. You know Ripley is not in a good place throughout this. Right. It's not that she is, you know, yes. You know, it's not that she is, uh, you know, balls to the wall and just, right. you know. Um, she's having a hard time yeah. with everything going on, but she's able to keep it together, together to get 
to point B. Right. You know, exactly. and, I, and I think I think that's what makes it so disheartening when she gets into the shuttle at the end and she's uh, I want to I want to talk about this scene. I really want to talk about this scene when she's then finally uh, able to breathe mm-hmm. and relax and then the things in there with her and it's mm-hmm. like, oh, shit, you know, and of course it is. You know, of, of course. course, of course it is. I want to talk about this scene because this scene has been not controversial, but people have brought it up before. And, you know, okay, so let's go back. Does Alien feel like a slasher movie to you maybe a little bit? In a way. It's influenced by the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It feels, it's got a little bit of the slasher vibe to Mm -hmm. it, right? And you got the final girl here, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't written as a final girl because it was written unisex, right? Right. And they just happen. What do you think about the fact that they cast a female in that role? I'm okay with it. I think it's cool. Yeah. I, 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 great. They, yeah. I think they put the right person I there. I do too. But the scene in particular is the end when she takes off the suit. She's there and she's like in her tank top. She's in her panties and she's getting ready for the hyper sleep or whatever it is. And James Cameron, who went on to direct Aliens, said of that scene that, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, that he felt it was unnecessary and maybe exploitive and that, you know, if I made a movie, I wouldn't put that kind of scene in there. Okay. This is the guy who put Paint Me Like One of Your French Girls in his movie. And then we see... Kate Winslet's tatas on screen. And a lot of people saw those tatas because that's like one of the biggest movies of all right? time, right? Okay. I feel like that scene serves two purposes in this film that are, and it's completely earned. I don't feel that it's exploitive. I feel uh-huh. that A, the vulnerability of that is earned because what we talked about, the sexual nature of this, and she is at her most vulnerable and she's in her she's in her panties and, and her, her tank top or whatever uh-huh. and she's getting ready. And the thing is there with her kind of watching her. And I feel like that does fit with the theme of the movie with the sexual oh, yeah. predatory thing going on mm-hmm. with this thing. I feel like that really fits. Yeah. The other thing, you're also catching her literally with her pants down. Mm-hmm. And she's just been through the worst traumatic experience of her life. And here she is getting ready to sleep. And boom, here you go. And it's like another thing on top of it. And yeah. I, I don't... I didn't feel like it was exploitive. I don't. I didn't think so. I, I don't get that you know, feeling from it. I get I always get the feeling that, uh oh, right? <laughs> <You know? laughs> exactly. Here we go again. And it's not like you're with her in her panties or she's completely naked, because mm-hmm. it's like it happens. Boom! There the thing is, and she goes and mm-hmm. she gets into the spacesuit, and and we're into, you know, the climax. So uh, anyway, but yeah, but her keeping it together and then we get to that moment it's like ah she breathes okay we're saying and then it's like boom it's like oh man like poor girl like can't catch a break <laughs> for real can't catch a break but right. she would uh she would rightfully go on to be a pretty big movie star mm-hmm. what'd you give her i gave her four face huggers i, I think too. this is one of the greatest uh kind of breakout performances of all time mm-hmm. I, I really I do and I feel like her performance in this movie and the other movies is just as important to the whole thing as the uh, alien is. So I like her. How'd you, you scored four, four. Mm-hmm. four. Yeah. 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 Right. I mean, she didn't feel like this is, you know, going to be a breakthrough role. She felt like she was already a seasoned actress. And, right. You know, you're right. watching this person who's been in so many films. So it's really, it's, it's really cool to see her. Be so the grounded other, in it. And thing, things I like about Ripley, you know, just in general, are A, that it was just written. It wasn't written specifically for a woman or for her. Uh, I like that they cast the female in it. Mm-hmm. I like the whole, it ties in with what we were talking about with the cast. You don't know who is going to survive, who's not. And right. uh, But when you watch the movie, you can tell that she might have the, you know. Right. Yeah. You know, 
the gusto. Right. But uh, it's really, it's, I think it's a great performance. I'm and, with you. It doesn't feel like it's like that first, like, right, like you know, breakthrough performance. A little bit of trivia before we go to a break. Uh, she got the role. She auditioned for it. She was late. She couldn't find where she was going. Did you Did you read this story? No, I didn't. Okay. Read this. So she was late and she was upset. She was like really, really upset because obviously she wants yeah. the role, right? And she's in a huff and she goes in and she's flustered and she was like red in the face and sweating because she had run. She parked and ran and all this. And she gets in there and they looked at her and they were like, yep. <laughs> like they, they saw like the tension. <laughs> right. You know, and she was sweating and they said, that's it. That's cool. That's girl. I think I think she's fantastic in this. I and so I too. love when she gets paired off with Parker and Brett. I think there's something so wonderful <laughs> about the three of them. Their little too. adventure part of the movie. I yes. think it's I think it's great. Um before we take a break, one other thing I really like about this movie is the use of the sliding door. They use the sliding door so well in this about three or four times throughout the movie. One character will be at one end of a hallway. Another character will be on the other end and they'll tap the door to keep yep. them there so they can get the <laughs> get the argument and conversation out of the way. Exactly. I, think it, I thought it was a great narrative device. And we didn't talk too much about Ridley Scott, but the direction of this, I think, is just so really well done. And I know you said it, it, not all of it comes together for you. But that you're appreciating the parts of it and, and yeah, what it's yeah. trying to do. And I and I love the fact that the way that he tells this story, it's so visual. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so visual and you feel like you're in there with him. You, you really do. You know. Again, that's what confuses me why I'm, I feel slightly disconnected. I don't know what it is. Might possibly be because you're of a generation where this has always been around, you know, because it's Maybe. alien is now like a trope. You know, the film. Maybe. Itself. Maybe. I don't know. I, really, I honestly don't know either. The first time I saw this movie, I was 11 years old. I was at a sleepover. It was a friend's birthday party. And his dad had okayed it with all of our parents. You know, like showing us Alien. You know, we watched Alien and it was a room full of 11-year-olds. <laughs> and I mean, this is, you know, the movie was only like 10 or so years old at this time. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I tell you the tension in that room was amazing, us watching that movie for the first time and it's one of my favorite movie watching experiences because it's like like we were talking about uh in our freaky episode horror movies and comedies are really kind of made to be seen with an audience Mm -hmm. and so you've got people all the same age kids the same age and we're watching it and experiencing this you know for the first time because none of us had seen it and yeah it was it was edgy it was, was it was definitely edgy and i think uh I think the young mind kind of catches some of the things we were talking about mm-hmm. with the with the thematic elements. Right. Kids have a good way of doing that. Mm-hmm. I remember just being very unsettled by it. You know, yeah. it, it wasn't something that kept me up, but I was I was very unsettled by it. And I mm-hmm. think rightfully so. It's it's a I, I, <laughs> I I've always said this is a fever dream of a movie. It's a real kind of feverish film. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, this is not a good. Uh, not a good situation. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. So. No. All right. Well, we are going to take a very short break. This is a news break, so be sure to stay tuned for all of the fake news not fit to print. We are going to tally up our final score for Ridley Scott's 1979 classic Alien, and we're going to give you a preview of next week's show, which I think is going to be pretty special. I think next week's show is going to be really special. And Sigourney Weaver and Ripley might factor into it (laughs) in some way. Maybe that James Cameron guy, too. Faith, (laughs) would you like to paint me like one of your French girls on the break? I I would love to do that. I'd love for that to happen, too. I am Dan. And I am Faith. We'll see you on the other side. (laughs) 
Utilizing a $2 trillion grant from the government, scientists have indeed determined that in space, no one can hear your fart. Congress just approved another $3 trillion to study whether or not you can smell a fart in space. Money well spent. And news a little closer to home, Cozy Corner is under a water boil advisory because Junior Watson, everybody's favorite redneck, took a dump in the city's water supply. Watson said, and I quote, that dang old toilet of mine was on the broken, so I let it loose in the big old water. The Cozy Corner Department of Public Works is not sure what Junior Watson crapped into the water, only that there was a lot of it. In sports news, Larry Linkertinker, head football coach of the Cozy Corner Community College Screaming Skulls, was recently fired from his position for inappropriate relations with a tackling sled. Wait, is this real? Absolutely. When asked for a comment on his tryst with a tackling sled, Linkertinker said, It has more cushion for the pushing. And that is the news. Stay tuned for Alien's final score as well as a preview of next week's show. It's going to have Sigourney Weaver in it. See you on the other side. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. I'm so glad that the government has spent money figuring out whether or not you can hear or smell a fart in space. I know. I'm sure of one thing. In space, no one can hear you scream. (laughs) There you go. Set it on the movie poster so you know it's true. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) How did Ridley Scott's 1979 classic film Alien fare tonight on the show? Well, it was not a perfect score, unfortunately, because I have problems but it came out 3.8 face huggers okay that's that's fine we can round that up to four there, there you go. We, we can round it up to four i gave it a perfect four but i respect you i respect you for sticking to your guns thank you i really do i uh, can't lie to everybody okay no you can't you can't well politicians can it's another i'm not a politician you're not it's another it's another show well, speaking of shows, next week's show is going to be a real doozy. We are celebrating Women's History Month yeah. here on the show. We're going to end March off. We're going to have a little, it's going to be a little fight, right? A little duel. A little duel. Yeah, we got two <laughs> films in competition against one another. Is it the films or our leads? Ooh, I think it's more the leads. More the leads, yeah. I think so. In one corner from 1986, we have James Cameron's film Aliens, the sequel to the one we did tonight. That stars Sigourney Weaver as Ripley again in an Oscar-nominated role. So there you go. One of the great sci-fi performances of all time. Going up against one of the other great sci-fi performances of all time. From 1991, another James Cameron film, Terminator 2 Judgment Day. We're going to be taking another look at Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor. This film is amazing. Both of these films are really good. These two women are absolutely amazing. It's not so much that we're pitting them against each other. We're celebrating this. Are we? No. But uh, but it's going to be a, a real joy to talk about these two performances mm-hmm. and uh, maybe a little bit about the films, too. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> we're at it, too. I Classics. actually have not seen Aliens. Oh, okay, good. You're in for a treat, then. The late, great Bill Paxton is in that movie and has the, nice. the line, Game Over, Man, Game Over. And... 
wonderful, wonderful film. So it should be a lot of fun for yeah. you then. Uh, I don't think that one's as good as this one, but it's, it's pretty, pretty good damn still. good. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> damn good. We're going to tell a fun story next week about the pitch for aliens it's a it's a lot of fun it was told to me by someone who was in the know so i got this kind of kind of firsthand all right so it's going to be a lot of fun but uh, there you go there's your homework for next week aliens and terminator 2 thank you as always for letting this drone on in your ears for for about an hour or so is a privilege and a pleasure if you would like to drone back at us you can reach us at late night fright podcast at gmail.com we would love to hear from all of you we thank you so much for tuning in and we hope you're happy healthy safe and taking your vitamins yep faith what do you what do you think about next week's show i'm excited i'm excited for a a nice friendly competition battle royale (laughs) the battle royale universally acknowledged as perhaps the two greatest female science fiction characters of all time yep so should be fun plus you get aliens and terminator too. should come, be good come on <laughs> <laughs> all right as always thank you all for tuning in talking about movies is fun it's even more fun when you talk about movies with a friend faith and i are lucky enough to do that i urge each and every one of you to talk about a movie with a friend get some dialogue going because the powers that be those those governments and corporations like we talked about they want to keep us apart especially in these times but you know what we don't need to be apart we need to be exchanging ideas with one another and if it's possible do it in person yep do it in person that's all i'm gonna say (laughs) that's all i'm gonna say let's get out of here before the (laughs) before the men in black show up (laughs) on the count of three faith let's see if we can make the outro music happen ready let's do it one two three well there it is time to go again yes time to say goodbye we've heard the chimes of midnight we we made that music happen magically these are the last survivors of the doomed expedition Nostromo signing <laughs> off. <laughs> Faith, take us home. May your coffin be cozy and your sarcophagus warm. May the light of the moon keep you safe from harm. Be you vampire, spook, specter, or beast. Always remember, keep, keep your, your monster, monster on, on a leash. leash. Aliens, Terminator 2, Ripley, Sarah Connor, next week. Be there or don't. It's really your choice. <laughs> we'll see you on the other side. <laughs>